I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Welcome, everybody, to an expansion edition of the Athletic Hockey Show, coming your way with Ian Mendes and Sean McAdoo in the driver's seat with you for the next hour or so. We'll analyze some of the big decisions that Seattle Kraken have to make ahead of Wednesday's expansion draft. Do they take Carey Price, Vladdy Tarisenko, Mark Giordano, or do they stay away from those high-priced veterans? We'll also discuss Sean's all-time expansion draft list, uh, where every franchise had a chance to protect its best players of all time. So we'll have some fun with that. The NHL schedule is going to be released later this week and with a couple of new U.S. TV partners coming up. What should some marquee matchups look like for opening night and beyond? We'll open up the mailbag to answer a real what-if question around the Tampa Bay Lightning and how we would spend a day with the Stanley Cup. And this week in hockey history has us debating whether or not Chris Osgood deserves a spot in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And Sean, as we start, you know, you and I had a chance to actually collaborate on a very, look, it was a fun piece, an expansion-related piece. And I think as I was thinking about this here to open up the show, I'm thinking the last time you and I would have maybe even collaborated on something in the print realm, I'm thinking we go back to our journalism days at Carleton. You and I took, people will laugh at this because this was in 1997, 1998. We took an introduction to web reporting. I think that might have been the last time we collaborated on like a, a project in print. Yep, that's probably it. And I remember that class. And I remember one of the things we were taught was that it was perfectly fine to just go to other sites and just take whatever was there. Just copy the photo, just cut and paste. It, it was okay back then. And honestly, I, 20 years later, yeah, that's pretty much how it turned out. So it, 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 they, they were onto something on that one. Yeah. So listen, we, we we did have some fun with this. And you know what? Uh, when I pitched this idea to you a couple of weeks ago, uh, the idea was this. Look, everybody says the Seattle Kraken and the Vegas Golden Knights have had the expansion rules catered to them so they could be successful right off the hop, right? Like you look at the rules and you say, wow, like they, they, they're, they're going to get the benefit of some good players. You go back to the 90s expansions. I know we've had some Minnesota, Columbus, you know, Atlanta fans get into our mentions, Florida, Anaheim. But, you know, we went back. I covered the Ottawa Senators. And I said, look, look, and I pitched the idea to you. What if we went back and we redrafted the 1992 expansion draft for Ottawa and Tampa, but we applied the current rules to back then? Like, would we get a much better team. And I got to be honest with you, as I went through and I, I, I understand, look, I, I might've missed on a couple of protections and you know, whatever. 
I gotta tell you, that list was like hot garbage. Like there wasn't there wasn't anything available yeah. to us to pick that I think we at least proved in this exercise, Sean, that I don't know that the rules have been altered that much to benefit these new teams. It, look, it's the rules that these new teams are getting are clearly objectively better than what most other every other expansion team in NHL history has had. I, you just you look at the numbers, right? I mean, teams used to be able to protect thirteen or fourteen guys, and now it's it's ten or eleven, or depending on on how you set up your list. So yeah, they're they're getting a better pool of players uh, for six hundred and fifty million. I hope that they're they're getting better pool of players. But this idea that that translates to automatic success. I mean, the system's been set up. I've heard people say rigged. This system is rigged so that these expansion teams are going to be great right out of the gate. No, it's not. They're re- each team is still protecting their eight best players. That doesn't leave you a lot. And, and you know, going back to the early 90s, obviously we had benefit of hindsight and uh, the, I'm sure there would have been some mistakes and that sort of thing. But if every team really does protect their best eight or 10 guys, there isn't a lot left. And I, I really feel like with, with Seattle, because of the pressure of the cap, because of some of the scenarios that are out there, they're going to get a good team. And we'll talk about how good that can be. But I got to say, I... I don't think they're going to be a 109-point team right out of the gate the way Vegas was. And part of me hopes for that because then I think we will finally be willing to give the credit to the Golden Knights that they deserve for what they did uh, instead of what I see to this day still so often, which is fans just kind of huffing and puffing about how the whole system was rigged. And of course, Vegas was going to be good right out of the gate. And, you know, that's... No, man, Vegas was better than your team because Vegas was smarter than your team. And I'm I'm looking forward to potentially, uh, if we see Seattle uh, come back to the pack a little bit, maybe people will finally have to acknowledge that. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I thought what was really interesting when we did the exercise of redrafting Ottawa and Tampa, the biggest difference, and you noted that, we, look, we noted this in the... Uh, in the column, and, and you pointed it out, the biggest difference, as you mentioned, is the salary cap, right? Like the Montreal Canadiens would never have made Patrick Waugh available, and yet here in 2021, they're making Kerry Price available, and that's largely due to his contract. And so that takes us right into this conversation on Kerry Price, because I, I think, Sean, there's a lot of drama, a lot of intrigue. That That is, to me, the most interesting element heading into Wednesday's proceedings Will the Seattle Kraken bite and take Carey Price because they got five more years left at $10 million and change? Um, do they look at the Vegas Golden Knights model and say, look, look at what Marc-Andre Fleury did for them. Veteran goalie at about the same age, instant credibility, instant stability at the most important position. And not that you necessarily need to market a uh, expansion franchise. I think you're going to probably sell out and there's going to be a buzz around them first couple of years anyway. But adding a potential Hall of Fame caliber goalie could be a real game changer. So as we sit here today, knowing that the lists already, we've passed 10 Eastern time as we record this. So the lists have been submitted. They won't be revealed until 8 Eastern time tonight. What's our best guess here on Carey Price? Because, Sean, I keep going back and forth on what the uh, the Kraken should do with him. Yeah, and and you mentioned it. We we gotta we gotta note the time right now because we're recording this as the lists have just gone in. I'm assuming that some stuff is gonna leak out over the course of the day, maybe even 
as we're recording this, certainly by the time people probably hear it. So uh, this is this is dangerous territory for you and I. This is uh, this is yeah. old takes exposed uh, <laughs> ground big time because we could uh, we could we could have a take here that gets uh, that's that's out of date before we're even finished doing the show. But that's the beauty of it. So let's let's dive into it. I look Kerry Price. I think that it's a bluff by Seattle. That's that's where I'm at right now. And I'm saying this, I'm I'm watching Twitter as I say this, so I, I will change course quickly if, if I <laughs> see something to indicate otherwise. If I'm an expansion team, I do not want a 33-year-old goalie with five years left on the biggest contract in the league. Um, and yeah, for all the reasons you mentioned, you could talk yourself into it. The Mark Andre Fleury in in Vegas was the most important guy that they that they had on that roster from day one. He he gave them the start of an identity. He gave them that that security and stability, uh, and and he he let them know every game going out there as an expansion team that at the time was not expected to be good. Uh, we've got a shot any given night. Because we've we've got this guy back there. I, I get all of that. The contract though is is just too it's it's too much, and it's not something that I want any part of. If, if I'm coming in as Seattle, my number one asset is I've got a clean sheet as far as the cap goes. I've got no commitments, no bad deals anywhere. I have got all this space that I can use. Yeah, I can use to add players, but I can also use to make deals with other teams and and. Um, I've got all this possibility. I, I don't want to tie up a huge chunk of it, not just for this year, but for this foreseeable future uh, on a guy who is coming off a phenomenal year, but at his age, with his injury status, I, I don't want any part of this if I'm Ron Francis. But having said that, I want Montreal to think that I might want a part of it. And I want Mark Bergevin to call me up and say, what will it take for you not to take Carey Price? And that's where the poker game starts. Because if you're Mark Bergevin, you don't want to lose this guy. How, what are you potentially willing to do to make sure that doesn't happen, if anything? Because if I think Ron Francis is bluffing, maybe Mark Bergevin thinks he's bluffing too. And then we get into this whole stare down um, and who knows where it goes. But I, I will be stunned if Carey Price at full contract, ends up with the Seattle Kraken. I just don't see how that makes sense for Ron Francis. Okay, so that's going to be the clip we expose, uh, isolate for the old takes exposed when that happens there uh, later on, on Wednesday. Okay, so you said, and I think you make a very good point, that Carey Price at full at full freight is, is you know, probably a touch overpaid, uh, or certainly in a cap world, it, it becomes uh, prohibitive. So let me throw this theory at you, and I'm going to use the Pittsburgh Penguins as the... Potential, because I think there's a lot of people from Pittsburgh who feel like, man, we can't win with Tristan Jerry right now. And we've got this tiny window left with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin where we got to win. So here's my theory. Seattle can take a handful of players and then turn around and flip them. And this would require Carey Price's approval because, of course, Carey Price has a no trade clause uh, that that can essentially allow him to handpick his destination. But let's say you're uh, Brian Burke and Ron Hextall, Sean, and you're like, man, so Carey Price is kind of kind of in play right now. What if we phone up Ron Francis and we say, hey, Ron, 
you take Carey Price and he's willing to come to Pittsburgh for a couple of years and you take 50% of his freight, what can we give you to make this work? And, and I look at that, Sean, and I think that's the scenario where I could see Carey Price being taken on Wednesday. If he's willing, and I almost feel like he's got one foot out the door in Montreal. I think by agreeing to expose himself in the expansion draft to Seattle, it at least opens up his mind to the idea of leaving Montreal. And so now that you've done that, I wonder, would he go to Pittsburgh and say, you know what, I got a shot to play with Sid and Gino and Chris Letang for two years. We got one last shot at a cup. And I, So let me throw that scenario at you. And what do you think of that? I mean, that is the scenario where where it could happen. That makes more sense to me than, than Seattle taking the guy and, and just, uh, and, 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 and holding on to him. But that's a big ticket. If they're eating 50%, I mean, we're talking 5 million a year in cap hit for five years. Again, like it's, it's not just one or two years where maybe you say, Hey, we can, you know, we can, have, who, who knows by, by the end of this contract, by the end of this five years, Seattle is going to have drafted somebody second overall this year. That player is going to be in the league, need a second contract. That's potentially going to be a big ticket. Who knows what other guys uh, they may have acquired. Look where Vegas is at and, and all the big names that they've acquired in, in their first few years. Uh, I, I, that's a huge commitment, and let alone the dollars that come into play when, uh, when you start talking about uh, taking on contract two. I'm not saying it, it couldn't happen, but if I'm Ron Francis, I expect to get a ton in return uh and i'm not even sure pittsburgh has a ton to offer it's as far because they've already pushed so far in on uh on this window it's it's i mean who's pittsburgh's best prospect what's their highest draft pick i'm not sure that you could put a package together uh that would work and i'm not sure that there's a lot of teams that could do that if uh it's it's one of those things where man if this contract was a couple years shorter i think we're right in in the mix on this this sort of conversation. I'm just trying to see a team, because it doesn't have to be Pittsburgh, but I, I'm trying to see any team out there that needs a goalie that could talk themselves into that. Window is open right now uh, and could match the price that that Seattle would demand because you're right. If, if, if Carey Price is willing to do it, there'd be a lot of teams that at $5 million would be would be willing to take this guy on. I'm just not sure Seattle wants to be left holding the bag on the other half of that. Yeah. No, I, anyway, that that to me is one of these scenarios. And again, maybe it doesn't come to fruition, but I think that's absolutely an avenue they would explore. But Carey Price, Sean, isn't the only big name, big ticket veteran available uh, in, in the expansion draft. And I think Seattle is going to have some decisions to make. Uh, Vladdy Tarasenko, a five-time 30-goal scorer who's had some shoulder issues, he's available. James Van Riemsdyk has been a pretty legitimate top six forward. He's available available from Philly. So too is Jake Voracek. Mark Giordano uh, could come in and instantly, uh, probably feels like he would be the instant captain uh, maybe in Seattle. Did they take a swing on him? He's only got one year left. Like of those guys that are like north of six million per in that stratosphere, do you see do you see Seattle taking a a swing on any of those guys? Yeah, I I, I do. Um, and and part of that is you know even though I just I just went down the importance of cap space and all of that. I mean they do have to spend a certain amount, and and that includes drafting uh, a certain amount. So. They do need. It, it, they can't just take thirty guys who are good value at a million bucks a year. Uh, they've got to have a couple of bigger tickets. And 
all the talk seems to indicate that Mark Giordano is 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 a real good bet to um, to be the pick from Calgary. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, he's a guy who could potentially be be your first captain. Uh, I I think that that works uh, probably for both teams. Honestly, I, you know Calgary losing a guy like that is is tough to take, but I think Calgary is a team that that needs a bit of a new direction. So um, I think they can live with it. Uh, it. The Vladimir Tarasenko, that's a scenario where the situation you described, where they potentially take a guy and then move him uh, somewhere else. I think that could make sense. Uh, potentially retaining some salary. Uh, unlike Carey Price with Vladimir Tarasenko, I think it is two years left on that the deal. Tarasenko's got two years, yeah. So that's that's much more manageable. That's that's it's easier to project two years into the future than five. So uh, I think that that could be a situation that that it would make sense, and you would assume they've had those talks already. I, I don't know that you necessarily take a seven million dollar guy and hope you can deal him, but if they've already got a, a trade in the back pocket, then that that makes sense. And then the two flyer guys. Uh, that's interesting. I, I think James Van Riemsdyk makes a lot of sense. Uh, Voracek maybe as well, but, but Van Riemsdyk's a little cheaper. Um, and I, yeah, I, I, you need, you need some guys to play. You need some guys to put the puck in the net. Here's a guy who can do it. Understandable why Philadelphia's made both guys available. Uh, they're uptight against the cap. I think this, this is a situation where it could make some sense for, for Seattle to take advantage of that uh, and get a guy who you can you can drop right in on your first line. Uh, when we did our our big mock draft on uh, this week, where there, the five of us got together, we had a war room and we we went down each team. I, we ended up with Ben Reemstike and Mark Giordano on uh, on our Seattle Kraken. Uh, did not take Price. Did not take Tarasenko. Um, because the other thing with him is you got to remember that that means you can't take anyone else from St. Louis. So you lose, for example, Vince Dunn or, or other options. But I think Giordano makes sense. I think Van Riemsdyk makes sense. Tarasenko, if there's a deal in place. Um, but otherwise, I, I think you leave him. You know, I I can't help but think, like like you mentioned, look, it's it's not like Seattle is going to be at a hundred and it'd be a tall order to be at a hundred and nine point Stanley Cup finalist like Vegas was. But I look at their team, Sean, the potential of the the guys they can put together on Wednesday, and then I look at that vis a vis the Pacific Division as it is currently constructed and as we think it will go into next year. I'm starting to think that Seattle will legitimately have a chance to make the playoffs at the very least because when you when you figure in that Pacific Division and we assume the, the divisions go back to the way they used to be. I don't know where those three California teams are at. They're all in various stages of rebuilds and teardowns. And I don't consider any one of them a a lock to the playoffs right now. Vegas is a playoff lock, in my opinion. And then I look at the three Canadian teams in that division. And I think Edmonton Edmonton could probably be a playoff team. But then after that, boy, Calgary, as you alluded to, they're kind of looking for changing up the complexion there. Vancouver is a box of chocolates. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I kind of feel like Seattle could make the playoffs in year one. Uh, but not necessarily be a uh, a team like Vegas that goes deep. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I think you're you're. Uh, I think we're on the same page on this. I, I don't think they're going to be an elite team. But you don't need to be an elite team in that division. Uh, I, I think there's a really good chance that that Seattle could be could it be the second best team in that division after Vegas. 
which means not just a playoff spot, but home ice uh, in the in the first round. Uh, and you know, in that division, ninety five points might get you there. Now, we know we know how this works. There's always there, there's a few teams in that division that are young, rebuilding. Very often, one of those teams makes a jump that we're not expecting. So, sure, you know, could LA leap up and be way better than we think? Maybe, um, you know, who knows? But I, I don't see anyone in that division that worries me too much other than Vegas. So, yeah, I, I think a playoff team is is not just realistic, but I, I think it's it would be disappointing if they didn't unless we see something from them tonight where they pick a roster that makes us go, oh, okay, they're very much focused on the long term. They're not looking for success right out of the gate year one as, as far as making the playoffs or whatever. If they're taking all young guys or trading guys for picks right off the bat, then that'll tell us something about the strategy. But I don't think they'll do that because the blueprint from Vegas was pretty clear that you can be competitive right out of the gate and, and that can really be what builds your identity. Uh, I, I'm disappointed if this Seattle team doesn't make the playoffs in year one in that Pacific division. So I think a lot of people are curious to see how the expansion, it, look, it's a made for TV event on Wednesday, right? Like ESPN will carry it in the United States Sportsnet up uh, in Canada. And it's good. There's going to be a sizzle factor to it. And, and, and what, did, <laughs> what went through your mind? When and Leafs fans were melting down when they saw they, they were doing like essentially on Tuesday, they're doing a dress rehearsal. And one of the things that they want to incorporate is some some big Seattle landmarks. And, you know, the Pike Marketplace in uh, downtown Seattle, famous for tossing the fish. And it looks like one of the at least one of the selections that they make will be done via somebody throwing a fish and saying, hey, with this pick, the Seattle Kraken select so and so in the rehearsal. They actually, they, they went through the dress rehearsal and they selected Alex Kerfoot. And Leafs fans are like, oh my gosh, like what's going on here? But what do you think of the flying fish gimmick and and the fact that they actually used Alex Kerfoot in the dress rehearsal? Yeah, uh, the flying fish, was, it's, it was funny. It's, uh, yeah, it's, they're going to put on a show um, and they're going to have to be creative because, you know, this, this isn't like Vegas where you can be introducing the players in, in front of, um, you know, cheering fans and all of that they're, they're gonna they're gonna go around this is their chance to to show off a little bit of the the local scene the the culture and and all of that uh and yeah throwing a fish that's that's pretty funny uh and also pretty funny is the idea that they they put a real name in there and then you've got people thinking that that oh it's it's a leak i it's you know i i because i we, we did our mock draft and i said um I had Seattle taking taking McCann off of the Leafs, and I had people go, "Oh, you're already wrong. It's already leaked." Uh, as if as if when they're doing that rehearsal, they're calling up Ron Francis, going like, "Yeah, we need a name. We need a name from you, and it's got to be a real name off the list because we can't do this rehearsal otherwise." I don't think it went that way. I'm pretty sure uh, you could uh, you could find a way to uh, uh, to do that with with any name you wanted, including a placeholder name. Could have been could have been John Smith, but I guess. Yeah. Uh, Maybe it, you know what it, this this might be a case where they're just smart enough to know that if you're going to poke a hornet's nest and uh, and get people talking, of course you got to do it with the maple leaves, um, and uh, and 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 let's get all of Twitter talking about some some third liner out of Toronto that's uh, that that's going to go in the expansion draft. That's that's pretty good marketing. Yeah, you know, I thought the best idea that I saw floated out there, and it was pure humor, and I figured you'd appreciate this, and it was from a Twitter user whose handle is Louis Erickson's number one fan. And this guy says, 
what they should do for the uh, this was great. What they should do to announce the expansion drafts because it's Seattle is they go to the original Starbucks location, which is actually right across the street from uh, the Pike Place Market there. Yeah. They go to the original Starbucks and you have a barista hand a cup over and it says Corey Pierce. And, you know, yeah. you're like, what? Corey Pierce. And then you're like, oh, no, he means Carey Price. Yep. Yeah. That's perfect. I think he could do that. Let's get <laughs> yeah. a couple of grunge bands up there to to like sing the roster. And we're all just looking at each other going, I, I don't understand what they're saying. What was what was that? And then we got to go and like go online and look up the lyrics uh, to figure it out. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things you could do with this. It's uh, have some fun with it. And it sounds it, like they will. It, it, is it a, is it for sure? Like I've seen some, a list of some some Seattle types that are going to be there. Is Russell Wilson involved in this? I have not seen his name. I don't no. think I saw Marshawn Lynch, which would would kind of give you the the football connection. Um, which I mean that <laughs> you talk about having some fun that that could be fun. Uh, I haven't seen Russell Wilson's name mentioned. Yeah, which I thought was kind of weird, right? Like, how yeah. is Russell Wilson not part of uh, this expansion draft? But anyway, yeah, listen, it's going to be fun. I'm sure there's going to be some gimmicky things, and again, it's a made. Uh, it's a made-for-TV event, and 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 as such, it's uh, you know it's going to have a little bit of cheesiness to it. And hey, look, I, I think as long as it's not done in a way that the players somehow would feel embarrassed that this is how they're being picked, I think yeah, you know everyone can have uh, have a little bit of fun with it. Um, you know, speaking of made-for-TV events, Sean, the schedule for the regular season is going to be released on Thursday at six Eastern time on. The U.S. edition of Sports Center. That's ER Sports Center, not RE Sports Center. And I'm starting to think with ESPN being part of this and TNT being part of this, you know that one of the best things they do with the NBA and they do with with other properties, ESPN and TNT. I mean, is they really sell the stars and they really promote those kind of primetime matchups. So as we're looking ahead, like if I gave you, I'm like, okay. We're going to go doubleheader ESPN opening night. Who's on Sean's opening night lineup uh, doubleheader where you want to sell the game to potentially some new fans and do it with some sizzle? Yeah, that's uh, – and, and boy, do we ever need that. So hopefully they can uh, – uh, That's that's been an area where hockey has struggled for so many years – uh, let's, uh, let's change that up. So who would I have? Boy, I mean, you, you start with Tampa, obviously not, not just as defending champs, but so, so loaded with talent. Uh, that's, that's gotta be one of your first games. You would think, uh, I'm tempted to put them with a team like Colorado kind of start that early potential Stanley cup final hype. We thought maybe we'd get it last year. Didn't happen. Colorado also pairs great with Vegas. Uh, renew uh, uh, the the rematch from from that playoff series last year, uh, so that's certainly a good one. Um, obviously, anything you can do with with Sidney Crosby, and I know that to some extent a lot of fans are kind of tired of Pittsburgh always being the marquee team, but um, that's you, you got to put the biggest star out there. And and right now, as far as U.S. based teams, he he legitimately might be your guy. Um, other options, yeah, Boston's good, New York, hey. If if they go out and get Jack Eichel, they move right near the top of the list. We won't know that uh, presumably by the time the schedule comes out, but maybe you roll the dice a little bit because uh, that's it's it's been a little while since we've had the Rangers as a a true marquee team in this league. But um, 
they get a guy like Eichel, then 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 you could sell that, and, and hopefully he's playing by then. But I'll go with yeah. Let let's do this. You wanted a double header. Let's go Tampa Pittsburgh in the early game, and uh, and we go Vegas Colorado in the late game. What what kind of ratings do you think? Yeah, I and you know, and those would be great options. I'm with you. I think you have to include Tampa, two time defending Stanley Cup champion, marquee star power. What about in that early game, Islanders Rangers? Could that could that do it for you, or do you need Eichel? Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's especially yeah, if if the Rangers are that that's such a great rivalry. I oh, you see, I feel like I, I'm I'm getting baited no. here, and I know, and I'm gonna fall for it. I don't know that the Islanders are the team I want to put out there in a marquee <laughs> sell the game to new fans matchup because they're so good. And I Islander fans, I defended you. I said you weren't as boring as you had a reputation for. But they're not exactly a run-and-gun exciting team that I, I necessarily want to be somebody's first exposure. If, if you're sitting down going, I'm going to give hockey a try, I don't know that I want to put an Islanders game in front of you. You have to have a certain amount of experience and understanding of the game to really appreciate what the Islanders do. And uh, they're, I, I don't know if they'd be the ones I'd want. Boy, it's so. And then the other question becomes, and again, we'll probably start to get an answer to this in the, in the days ahead. Uh, you know, some of the biggest stars, the most electrifying stars in hockey happen to play north of the border. Think Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Think Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews. I think Elias Pettersson and, and Quinn Hughes are really fun. Do we see those guys kind of promoted on the U.S. platform? Because again, if you take the NBA template, uh, that's what they do, right? They they try to promote it's Kawhi, it's LeBron, it's Antetokounmpo, it's, you know, pick your five or six best stars and you and you put them on the biggest platform. Do the Edmonton Oilers have enough of a, 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 a selling point here? I think you could probably convince some people with the Maple Leafs, their original six team. But do you think that we're going to see Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, you know, if you want to put Elias Pettersson and company in that mix, do you think we see them in some marquee games on ESPN or TNT? I hope so, because you're right. This is this is what other sports do well. And, uh, and you mentioned the NBA. You know, the, the NFL didn't go, oh, this Brett Favre guy, okay, nah, Green Bay, that's, a, that's not a big market, so we won't pay any attention to this guy. And when Peyton Manning got picked by Indianapolis, they didn't say, well, that's a small market. I guess we'll ignore Peyton Manning. That They still built those guys into marquee face of the league guys and it benefited everybody and you can do that here i get that it's it's different when you're talking about players in a canadian market where you just don't get any benefit of, uh, at all from from that hometown market as far as as the numbers you're trying to put up but uh yeah at the very least i i don't think you build your schedule around those guys but get them out there, there there's no way that any new fan uh should be denied a chance to see Connor McDavid. You know, if that's the best player in the league, that's the guy that that everyone else is going to be measured against over the next decade. Get him up there, get him let's let's see what he can do. Uh and uh are you going to get the killer ratings that you would get with yet another Chicago Boston game? No, you're not, but it's it's an investment. Let's make a bit of an investment in in building up this fan base, and I think ESPN's smart enough to do that. This is they didn't sign a short term deal here. They're they're looking down the road, and 
Uh, I, I don't think we're going to see a ton of, of the Canadian content, but let's get a little bit of it out there uh, and start building up, uh, getting getting fans excited about the best the league has to offer. Yeah, and I think there's a couple of really fun teams in non-traditional markets. I'm thinking Carolina and Florida. It'd be really great if those teams could get a little bit of exposure too. Because again, if you're trying to sell the game to fans, I think that's what you want to do. You want to sell kind of up-tempo, uh, fun hockey, and I think the, the Panthers and the Hurricanes. Uh, could could certainly do that. You know, as we keep on the expansion theme here in this episode of the podcast, Sean, you went through and you kind of did the work. Was it four years ago when, when Vegas um, did the expansion draft? You went through, oh, maybe I'll get you to explain this. Explain this project that you had four years ago that you updated uh, for The Athletic, which was essentially all-time expansion protected lists. Yeah, so the idea here was, what if every team in the league had to submit a protected list based on their entire history under the same rules that that they had four years ago and uh, and that they have this year? Uh, so you could you could do your seven forwards, three defensemen, and a goalie. You could do eight skaters and a goalie. Uh, and it was just a chance to have to have a debate, have that argument. You know, who who would your favorite team protect? Who would they who would they not have space for? And and I did it four years ago. Uh, when, when Vegas came in and four years ago, I, I just said, here's, here's the list for each team. So this year I wanted to update it, uh, with, with Seattle coming in. And then I had to add a new layer as well. Of course, you, you, you gotta, you gotta add each time you, uh, you bring something like this back. So the twist on it this year was I'll do all 31 teams with some updated lists, uh, based on some of the feedback and some of the players, some players have played their ways on or off the list in the last four years. And then. Once we've got all 31 lists, then we got to pick a team. We got to pick a player from each uh, from each team, and we'll do we'll do that Vegas and Seattle style, where you know you have to pick a certain number of forwards, defensemen, goaltenders, uh, and see what kind of team you wind up with. And and this was one of those where going in, I had no idea if I was going to have a just an all time all star team, or if I was going to have not very much to choose from. Ended up being somewhere in the middle. Obviously, certain teams are are more more packed than others, just based on how long they've been around. Uh, but it was fun, and you know, already it's it, it just went up this morning. But I can already see lots of people arguing in the comments, and uh, that's uh, that's half the fun of this sort of thing. Yeah, you know, the one team as I looked through it on on Wednesday morning, the one team I was really surprised about their protection list was the New York Rangers because I'm thinking, okay, this is an iconic. Original six franchise, been around, we're closing, you know, closing, whatever, 100 years. I'm like, Adam Graves? And, and listen, Adam Graves is a very good player, right? Adam Graves, 50-goal guy, won a Stanley Cup. But Adam Graves, you wouldn't think, is like this iconic, like, lock it in for a franchise that's been around for 100 years. Like, he's a no-doubt-about-it uh, protection guy. Like, I was surprised at the quality or the depth of players that you protected with the Rangers. Yeah, the the Rangers are a team where I mean, look, been around not the entire history of the league, but but for the vast majority of it, predate the original six. Um, they're the weakest of the original six teams. I don't think I'm I'm shocking anyone by by saying that. I mean, the, this we're we're talking about a team that's has one Stanley Cup in the last seventy plus years, uh, and uh, so. Uh, you wouldn't expect them to match up with Montreal or Chicago or even Toronto, who, you know, for all their lack of success in, in the modern era, did certainly uh, 
were were a dominant franchise during the uh, during the earlier years. Um, but the other thing that's interesting about the Rangers is the way that I did this is I said, okay, each player only needs to be protected once. Wayne Gretzky doesn't need to be protected by the Oilers and the Kings and the Rangers and the Blues. Once is enough. And the Rangers, through certainly their modern history, as they evolved into a, a powerhouse uh, financially and off the ice in terms of their spending power, um, they've spent a lot of time going after other teams' players. Right. They've been grabbing guys, Mark Messier, Gretzky, you know, the the they had Lindros and Burry and Jagger and, and all of these guys down the list where in for, for the purpose of this exercise, those players all end up getting protected by other teams. As far as homegrown guys uh, or guys that uh, that you look at and say that this, this guy was a Ranger through and through, there's not as many as you would think. You know, even Phil Esposito back in the day, well, he was he was a Boston guy and then they, they went and brought him over. Um, so I, I was a little bit surprised at that. Uh, but it does make sense when you just look strategically how they've tried to build their team uh, over the last few decades plus. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, time for us to open up the mailbag here on The Athletic Hockey Show. A reminder, you can hit us up at theathletichockeyshow at gmail.com. Theathletichockeyshow at gmail.com. That's how you can drop us a note. We would love to hear from you. And let's start with this one. Actually, these were ones that... Let's let's be transparent here. I'm a big fan of transparency. So these were actually questions that were submitted to your mailbag on the print side, correct? Yeah. Okay. This is this is my uh, a few uh, that didn't quite make the cut for the for the mailbag, but uh, I thought lent themselves well to uh, maybe more to a podcast discussion than a print one. Yeah. So this one comes in from uh, from Philip, who says uh, this is kind of quite a quite a what if question here. Hey guys, uh, here, uh, does Tampa Bay win either of the last two Stanley Cups if it loses that five overtime games against, uh, five overtime game against Columbus back in round one, game one in the play in last August? What happens if they lose on an unlucky bounce and all of a sudden those internal demons from the 2019 sweep reappear? That comes in from Philip. Now, quick question, Sean. That was a five overtime game. Do you remember who scored the winner in overtime? Was it? Was it Braden Point? Yeah, I had to. I actually had to look that up. I was like, I think it's. I I was like, I think it's Braden Point, but now I'm not. I'm not sure. And sure enough, it was. And I remember that. You know, that was an. If I'm not mistaken, that was an afternoon game, right? That just kept yeah, going. Yeah, because they were canceling the evening yeah. games because they they ran out of time because yeah. this one went so long. So remember, and this is a great point from Philip because Columbus and Tampa play each other in 2019, one year after Tampa gets swept out. By Columbus, it's very rare that you get this type of opportunity for redemption. If you're a team like Tampa, you got humiliated in the previous year's playoff. You get the same team again. And now game one is this like heavyweight fight that's going to the 12th round. And, you know, it's it, it becomes a war of attrition. So let's play the what if game. 
Let's say Pierre-Luc Dubois scores for Columbus. It's a funny bounce. He scores. Columbus wins game one last year. What happened, Sean? How does the rest of that series play out? Yeah, it's it's a fascinating what if because it really would change the entire the entire narrative around it, the entire atmosphere around that. And and look, we you know you start talking about narratives, we always put more stock in that. It's it's quite possible that what happens is Tampa goes, all right, we got to play better, and they just sweep Columbus aside uh, in games two through five. But boy, I mean, to to get that rematch. After you got swept, one of the great regular seasons in history, and you just completely melt down in the playoffs. Remember, guys were getting suspended. You know, it was it was just this awful, humiliating sweep. Uh, and you get to play that same team again, and you go into a game one, and if, especially if it's that length of overtime, you get five overtimes in. At some point, it's got to enter your head that man, we can't beat these guys. These guys just have our number. And yeah, if if Columbus wins that game. Everybody's thinking it. Everybody's going, here we go again. This is, it's, it's all happening again. Uh, and you got to think that gets into the, the heads of the Tampa players a little bit. Uh, it was, you know, remember this was in the bubble, so it maybe wouldn't have been um, quite the impact that, that it normally would have, but maybe not. Again, I, I, Tampa's a great team. Uh, they were the best team in that series and, and every series they've been in and they deserve those Stanley Cups. And I don't want to go and start taking cups away from them based on a bounce here or there. But it is a fascinating what if, because, uh, you know, they, that that could have been a turning point in that series. And if it is, it, if Tampa goes and loses that series to Columbus again, who knows what happens this year? Because I don't think the team looks anything uh, anything like they did this year. Uh, just you'd think there'd have to be changes. And, and uh, it's it the number of differing realities we could we could bounce down from that one plinko chip of uh of that overtime game it's uh it's pretty fascinating to think about yeah remarkable indeed all right next question in the inbox here or the mailbag comes in from wendell who says who do you think gets promoted first in ottawa jack capuano or pierre mcguire i gotta tell you i'm a little suspicious of this question sean i feel like this is a plant it's it's a question about the senators from somebody named wendell yeah so i feel like you have just dropped this in out of your own curiosity and given the name Wendell uh, to it but th- th- this is an possible. interesting one yeah, yeah this is an interesting one so I mean this th- and this, this is your territory right and just uh, for yeah you know, if people don't remember if they miss the story obviously they know Pierre McGuire has just been hired in that front office not as the GM uh we're told reporting into Pierre Dorian but Jack Capiano former Islanders coach who is an assistant in Ottawa and reportedly had interest uh, to talk to other teams and Ottawa denied permission, which they have the right to do, but which suggests that that they view him as, well, as a key piece of what they're doing, which has led some people to assume that he might be the coach of the future, although that that's that's reading between the lines a little bit. Where do you wind up on this? Oh, man, it, it is a great question because I think the, the key element in all of this is that Pierre Dorian and DJ Smith, who are the general manager and the head coach respectively in Ottawa, are both going into the last year of their contract, right? So they are very much in a prove-it mode. And if they don't get off to a, a decent start, and I'm not saying that there's playoff expectations around Ottawa, but if they come out, Sean, and like by the classic U.S. Thanksgiving, 
They're languishing at the bottom of the standings again. They're bottom 8, 10, whatever in the league. And it looks like they're flatlining a little bit. They're stagnated. That the upward trajectory from last spring isn't carrying over. I would absolutely positively see a change there. But then the question becomes, where does that change happen? Does it happen behind the bench? Because I feel like if you're looking for an immediate response, that's usually the route you go, right? Like, it's not often. I mean, Pittsburgh did it. Some other teams have done it where you make a change at the general manager position midseason. But that's less of a, hey, we want an immediate change, more of a big picture thing. So I suppose in this scenario, I would, I guess from a timeline perspective, I would say Jack Capuano, but I, boy, I, I have a hard time seeing like DJ Smith shouldn't necessarily wear to me the, uh, the, the problems in Ottawa. I think he's done a pretty good job under the circumstances, but I, boy, it's going to be, I would have to say it's Pierre Maguire. Like if you're asking me, I I think I'll go Pierre Maguire, but I, I'm up for it. It's it's tough because both, both those guys, Dorian and, and DJ Smith, have done reasonably good jobs. But as we know in the NHL, that doesn't necessarily always matter. It's it's not uh, it's it, it's it's not always about uh, about what's fair. Sometimes it's it's just about the perception. And uh, yeah, that is it's it's an interesting one. Um, and uh, yeah, I you know what I might I might go McGuire too. I don't think they they brought him in just to 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 be a helper. Um, and, and look, we should mention the other piece of this, both those guys, Dorian and Smith having contracts that are coming up. They may want more or other opportunities. It, yeah. You know, it isn't necessarily a case of them being shown the door. Pierre Dorian could get to the end of his contract and go, you know what? I did a great job under really tough circumstances in Ottawa. I want to go somewhere where I've got a budget and, and a little bit more of a support staff and, uh, and show what I can do there. And there might be people willing to, uh, to talk to him about that. So a few different ways it could go, but I, I just I found that a real interesting question. Uh, and one more here. This one comes in from Adam, who says, uh, and, and and this is in light of the Tampa Bay Lightning obviously damaging the Stanley Cup last week. It got dented, had to go to Montreal for repairs. It's back out on the road, but the the actual kind of the the bowl of the cup got got damaged. And so Adam is wondering, what would you guys do? Uh, you know, what would your excuse be for denting the cup? But I guess in in a way we would be saying like. Would, would is there anything you would do with the cup, Sean, that would even put it in in jeopardy? Like if 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 you are part of, let's say, you, you you're part of a front office, you win a Stanley Cup, you get a ring, and you're like, hey, listen, August twentieth, it's your date with the Stanley Cup. What's Sean doing with it? Yeah, you know, and I've I've as sad as it is, I've thought about this. Oh, so you have here's. <laughs> Here's here's my plan. And by the way, I I do like that you put me in the front office. Even this in this fantasy scenario, yeah. I don't get to be one of the players. I it, but that's fine yeah. because that's that that's how I would do it too. <laughs> you give me the Stanley Cup for a day. I'm, here's what I'm going to do. I'm getting all my friends together, and we're gonna everybody come come meet. We're gonna we're gonna pick some spot out in a tennis court or on a you know get a rink or a gym somewhere. Bring your sticks. Uh, and we're playing an all-day best-of-seven series. We're going to divide up the teams. We're going to play best-of-seven up to, you know, first to five or whatever to win the game, Have 15 minutes in between games to, to rework your lines, redo the strategy, all of that. And the winner of that best-of-seven, we're going to have the Stanley Cup right there. Uh, we can all see it as we're playing. The winner of that best-of-seven, we all get to lift the cup. We get to take the pictures. You get to do, you know, handoffs, all of that stuff. But here's the key. The losing team, you don't get any of that. You got to sit oh, and watch. You can't even get you your don't picture get, with the cup? 
You don't get a picture afterwards. You don't get to, there's no barbecue after where you get to come over and be like, all right, I'm still good. No, you get nothing. Wow. The competitive levels of that. I mean, anyone who has ever been part of or seen guys play recreational sports uh, is the, the competition level there. I wouldn't be worried about the cup getting damaged. I'd be worried about yeah. my friends getting damaged because somebody would wind up in the hospital for sure. Uh, the, the level of over competitiveness for that would be fantastic. I think it would be a lot of fun. Uh, it would absolutely end friendships, fracture relationships, um, all of that. Uh, but I think it would be worth it just to watch all of my dumb over competitive friends, uh, absolutely destroy each other to get, uh, get a chance at a, a Stanley cup handoff. So does the losing team, do they even get like a Clarence Campbell bowl or something? Like nothing? Like that's it? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll, we might have to bring back the O'Brien or something like that, but then no. And, and and you don't get to leave either. We're locking the doors. Don't, don't stomp off and, uh, you know, go sulk in your car. You got to watch me and everyone else pass the cup around. Uh, and, and I want, I want some like photos of sad people leaning on their hockey sticks with a tear going down their eye, knowing that they just missed their one chance. But like when, when, when Tampa beat Montreal for the cup this year, <laughs> like Shea Weber's not on the ice while the lightning. He should be. <laughs> he should He's be not on the ice while the lightning are skating around. What are you doing this to your friend? Let them just go home. I, I might have some issues. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So. What I would do, here's what I would love to know. I'd love to do a detailed, I'd like to be the one person to drink something out of the cup that's never been consumed before. Like I'm thinking, like, has anybody put Fresca into the Stanley Cup? Like, <laughs> like, what do you think? I, I think the answer is no, right? Like, yeah, there's no I'm way anyone's put Fresca what? in. Dr. Pepper, maybe? I do, yeah, like, I, I don't know. Can... Yeah, I, I think any alcoholic beverage. Yeah, that's out. Every, every has al- been covered. Exactly. So now you- I think I don't know. Can you could you, could could you do like a Shirley Temple? Would that work? Oh. Like, you know, maybe maybe that's your option. Because, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Where's where's the cherry? Yeah, yeah. You'd, you'd you'd be all right there. Just wash it well. Yeah, wash it well before you drink anything out of that thing. Wouldn't you love to do a oral history of everything that's been? Like all the drinks, like I would like a definitive list of every beverage consumed out of the Stanley Cup, uh, because uh, like what was the thing? And I feel like this was when we were, and maybe it's still a thing. Um, if you were in a fantasy baseball league, wasn't there something with that YooHoo drink? Yeah, like that's right. Yeah, that was the original uh, way back. Yeah, then, which was like, which. What even is that? It's like a chocolate it's like a milk chocolate thing? Malt that- drink, I think. Okay, but like. Do you think somebody's had YooHoo out of the Stanley Cup? I probably this yeah. Th- th- we need. I was going to say we need a historian, but uh, we we need a we need a real historian to get on this. That that's my pitch for an article. Everything that's ever been consumed out of the Stanley right. Cup ranked from least to most toxic, and we just see how far down the list we can get. Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I I think. I, Maybe just some clean drinking water would be the only thing that hasn't made its way into that <laughs> yeah, into that bowl. Exactly. Yeah, that's a, you know that's a great point. But people have had their pets drink it, so not even that because that's well, yeah, uh, there's absolutely been people who've who've let their dog drink out of the cup. So I don't know. I that's you you got a hundred years. There's there's probably some beverages that don't even exist anymore that have been uh, that have been in that thing. Yeah, Mister Pib or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> 
didn't even go to medical school like Dr. Pepper. He's just Mr. Pib. All right. Uh, tell you what. As always, we're going to uh, wrap up with a little this week in hockey history. And so, as you know, what you're gonna lie. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm blanking on the guy. But like so many of this week in hockey history, Sean, were like on this. Uh, there was one of them that was like unbelievable. It was like the birthday of like some random NHLer, and I'm like, okay, we're not doing. You know, on this date, you know, it was. I think it was like Jamie Langenbrunner's birthday. I'm like, I don't even know what to do with that, but. But we do have a couple of interesting ones. July 19th, 2011. Chris Osgood announces his retirement for the National Hockey League. And Sean, Chris Osgood is the classic Hall of Fame debate guy, right? Multiple Stanley Cups, including two as a starter in Detroit, 1998, 2008. A very good run in, uh, in even with the Islanders, he was pretty good. Like a very good goaltender. Who's not in the Hall of Fame? So does Chris Osgood, as we go back this week in hockey history, he announced his retirement. It's been exactly 10 years since Osgood hung him up. Does he belong in the Hall of Fame? No, he doesn't. And and come yell at me, Detroit fans. We've I've I've heard it before. Uh look, if I'm a Leafs fan, any goalie wins the Stanley Cup for the Maple Leafs, I'm gonna be picketing to get them in the Hall of Fame too. So I understand. You're gonna you have the loyalty to your guys. Um, but no, Chris Osgood was a very good goaltender, uh, on an excellent team and he racked up a decent, well, more than a decent, a very impressive amount of wins did get those couple of cups, but on an individual level, he had that, that one season early where he was, I think a Vezina finalist. Um, but that was about it. Other than that, he was, he was a, he was exactly what that Red Wings team needed. He was dependable, uh, and and a guy that that you could always trust back there um but if he's was not a hall of famer you don't go out and get dominic hasek or whoever else if you think you've already got a hall of famer locked in and chris osgood he was a real good goaltender i take nothing away from him um but we can we can stop pretending that he should be in the hall of fame it's a tough one though like it's like do you do you measure like how much do you measure stanley and it's a team sport but the onus on goaltenders to have Stanley Cup rings is greater than on any other position. And, yeah, and, it, and it has got two be. of them. He's got two it, of them. But it, but it shouldn't be because, I mean, look, and, and I do think, by the way, also that it, Osgood's case has, has weakened over the years. Because first of all, as far as the career wins, I think when he, when he retired, he was, he was well in the top 10 and he's, he's dropped out of that now. Um, but also, I, you know, this idea that, well, you got to win a ring if you're a goalie. In the 30-team era, honestly, are we going to keep Roberto Luongo out because he didn't win a Stanley Cup? We're going to keep Henrik Lundqvist out? Uh, we shouldn't. You know, those guys should absolutely be in there. And, and you know, by the same token, you win a ring as a goaltender, yeah, that's that's a big accomplishment. But does anybody think Chris Osgood was the reason those Detroit teams were winning Stanley Cups? No. Uh, you know, th- those were excellent uh, stacked teams, uh, in, including some in the pre-cap era that were very expensive and, and good for them. They had the ability to do that and they went out and did it. Lots of teams wish that they had and, and Detroit actually did. Um, but, it, you know, if, if a goaltender wins a couple of cups by single-handedly dragging his team, uh, you know, to, to a championship that otherwise they wouldn't have had, that's one thing. I, you know, I'll, I'll have that conversation about, uh, you know, if, if, if somebody is even in the, you know, the Tim Thomas mode where you go with that, that guy is the reason they won the cup. 
Um, Chris Osgood wasn't the reason Detroit won the cup. Um, he was real good, but he wasn't, uh, you know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't rank very high on the list of, of guys who got them there. So I don't put that much stock in the fact that he won those rings. Um, because there, there were just so many other key pieces on those Detroit teams. The, the one thing I'll say on Osgood, uh, to, to, I guess to maybe further your point, is the kind of the apex of his career was when we were sending NHL players to the Olympic Games. In 98 in Nagano, in 02 in Salt Lake, 06 Torino, 2010 Vancouver. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Was he ever even in the running to be a backup on any of those teams? I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, not that I remember now. I'm, you know, I'm sure his name was mentioned, uh, but no. He, he, uh, yeah, you, you're right. He wasn't. Uh, again, I feel like it now, you know, it's turning into the, the pick on Chris no, Osgood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and again, I, there, there's probably 25 other teams out there that wish they had Chris Osgood for that, uh, that stretch. Uh, there's something to be said for dependable, consistent goaltending. But no, he, he wasn't an elite guy. And we can get into what the Hall of Fame should be and what it should recognize. And certainly there are some guys in the Hall of Fame who I would not consider elite guys either, including some recent uh, inductees. So, you know, maybe maybe that opens the door. But no, I'd like to see the Hall of Fame be for those guys that were the best in the league, best in the world at their position. And Chris Osgood, as good as he was, uh, I, I don't think was ever in that conversation. All right. One last one here. July 23rd, 2015. So not that long ago, six years ago, July 23rd, 2015. I'll never forget, Sean, the headline in the Sun Chain newspaper was lose your daddy. Lou Lamorello, <laughs> lose your daddy. Lou Lamorello, kind of mm-hmm. shocking turn of events, uh, takes over as the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And of course, he leaves a couple of years later when uh, when Cal Dubas takes over and he, he joins the uh, the New York Islanders. It was a short window for Lou Lamorello. Is, and, and maybe legacy is not the right term to use for somebody who's only there a couple of years, but I can't think of, I, I guess, maybe impact. Like, what, what was Lou Lamorello's impact on the Toronto Maple Leafs? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's tough to say because it was, as you said, it was. It ended up being a, a reasonably short tenure, and it ended up. It was also a, a situation where you know Kyle Dubas was there, Mark Hunter. We were never quite sure who was doing what, who was running the draft, who was who was involved in this or that. Uh, I, I, but it did. It it was another piece of credibility for a franchise that really really needed it at the time. You know, Brendan Shanahan was was trying to rebuild this thing that he had finally torn apart um, after after having been there for a year or two. Uh, Is right around the same time that they get Mike Babcock again. That didn't work, but the credibility of saying, okay, you know, this the, the, these big names, these heavy hitters with a ton of credibility, want to come and, and work for this franchise. I think was important. Um, as far as moves that were made, you know, it's, it's, it's tougher to say some of the contracts, uh, clearly didn't work out, but some of the moves did, you know, I, I think he was the, the Frederick Anderson trade. Um, that was one where that, that addressed that position for, for several years. There were some other moves. Um, the Patrick Marlowe signing did not work. Uh, and ended up being very costly. So, it, but like any gym, we can go down a list and say this this was good, this wasn't. Uh, always easy to do in hindsight. But I think the main thing is just that credibility of okay, maybe maybe the Toronto Maple Leafs aren't going to be a joke anymore, uh, and maybe 
uh, this this is a team that that we can actually in a franchise that we can start to take seriously again. And um, uh, that was that was needed back then. All right. Hey, listen, we'll leave it there. I look forward to people either dropping in the comments or uh, tweeting at us the, uh, the 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 beverages that they're certain have never been consumed out of the Stanley Cup. I'm sure that's going to be uh, some some fun stuff to look forward to. Listen, as always, this was a blast, Sean. Enjoy the uh, uh, the expansion draft, the uh, the entry draft on Friday, and we'll do this again next week. Sounds good. All right. And a reminder, everybody, we've got a full roster of athletic hockey shows uh, Monday to Friday going on right now. If you didn't catch the Monday episode, uh, some very poignant and important stuff. A great conversation amongst uh, Pierre Lebrun, Sarah Sivian, uh, Brock McGillis, and Bain Pettinger as they talk about the um, Nashville Predators prospect Luke Prokop. His historic announcement coming out as a gay athlete in hockey. So that's some great stuff. If you haven't listened to that Monday edition of the podcast, I implore you to download that and listen today. So thanks for listening to us. We'll get you again next week. Like I said, email us your questions, theathletichockeyshow at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail too. 845-445-8459. And if you're not a subscriber with us, you can join at theathletic.com slash hockey show and you'll get a subscription for $3.99 a month.